Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, February 8th. We are inching to the Friday and I got some red in me today because, you know, getting close to the day of love. Speaking of the day of love, before we get into the show, I mentioned it yesterday and I want to make sure you guys know this, that Zach Peter, my buddy, my good friend, Zachy Zach, Zach Peter, no filter with Zach Peter. He has a live show at the Bourbon Room on what else? The day of love, February 14th. And there's going to be so many people appearing, including yours truly. I'll be there. So uh, Patrick and Paul, Chris and Takeman, Chef Stu, uh, Josh from Louisiana, all his guys will be there. So make sure to head on over to Zach's profile. I can post it all in show notes in a little bit and uh, make sure that you guys get tickets. And there's also a live stream event. So if you're not in L- L.A., or if you are going to be on a date that night, which is like, wow, who goes out on Valentine's Day? Like actually on a date on Valentine's Day. All my years with Lance, I have never once, we have never once gone out on um, Valentine's Day specifically. We always go out the weekend before or the weekend after because, you know, I I kind of really don't like the way restaurants take advantage of Valentine's Day in the sense that they hit you up for expensive prefix meals. And, you know, it's kind of awkward. One time we did go out, I don't remember where, or what year or whatever. And we were sitting at this two top. They put like all these two tops together at restaurants and it was a small restaurant and I was at a two top and the couple next to us were having like an awkward night. And like the couple on the left of us were having another weird night. Like, and we were just right in the middle. It was a French type restaurant, lots of tables, not a lot of space. And it's like, I almost created in my head, this is the competition of who can be the cutest couple at this restaurant because it's Valentine's Day. So which couple here is going to be the cutest? And then like sometimes when you're out in Hollywood area, I don't know if this happens where you guys live, but if you ever go into restaurants in the Hollywood um, region, there's there tends to be these vendors that come in with like a big thing of individual roses and they try to sell you roses. And the way they do it is they go right to the guys in a, you know, in a heterosexual relationship. And I'm sure in lesbian and gay couples, they also do it. They go up to one of them and they say, hey, uh, you know, flowers for the lady. And what are you supposed to do? Right. Bad husband, if you don't pick a flower. Uh bad negotiator in life if you do. So a lot of times we'll just say, here's five. Bye. Okay. It's not like that happens so often, by the way. I'm making it sound like every time you go out in LA, people try to sell you flowers. That is not the case. But every time you show up here for Daily Dose of Donna, I will give you an entertaining few minutes of fun I just got such a sweet comment over on my um, Facebook group. If you guys haven't joined Facebook, Daily Dose of Donna, I love my Facebook group. Uh, We talk about all things like sometimes it's a little controversial topic. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's funny. And I got a comment from a lovely woman who says, her name is Anel. She says, I worked my butt off in a hospital for many years. There was a great deal of sadness to be seen. 
As a retiree, I absolutely love to watch Daily Dose of Donna. She makes me laugh when she's thinking the same thing that I'm thinking. If I feel the need to comment good or bad, it's okay. Watching her podcast on YouTube is my relaxation time. I mean, what a nice comment. And I get really, really nice comments. And I think, you know, I was watching a a moment of Rick and Kelly earlier this morning. I think it was this morning. And they were talking about giving power to the negative comments. And someone had written in and said, don't do that. Don't give power to the negative. And I'm like, why aren't we reading nicer comments in life? Why aren't we focusing on the positive? So Anel, and for anyone else that leaves a positive comment, thank you. And if you leave a comment that is not positive, but is constructive, meaning, hey, Donna, I think you could do better. I am so open to the feedback. I'm open to the feedback. And we'll actually get into some of those today because I want to clear up some things. Okay. So um, before we get into the show, I want to shout out our first sponsor of the podcast this week, and that's Robody, R-O-Body is, is how you spell it. So Ro provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. For those of you that are out there trying to lose weight, I just had a lunch this morning with my girlfriends, and I will tell you, um, the way I attacked that taco makes me wonder. I was like, I, I really went to town with the, with the guac, with all the things, okay? So if you are wondering, how can I continue to eat the way that I eat and work out the way that I work out, but actually lose some weight, you may want to consider... Row. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Row Body's programs ha- members have support throughout the process. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. So no doctor's appointment, no drive to the doctors, no waiting rooms, no awkwardness, you know, no germs all of those things. So sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Donna, D-A-N-A. Thanks, Ro. Okay. Let's get into the show, Ro. <laughs> oh, Wednesday nights are the TV night. So we will be talking about Real Houses of Beverly Hills. We'll be talking about Real Houses of Miami in just a few minutes. First, let's cover a couple of Vanderpump stories. Um, Vanderpump. Okay. First of all, let's talk about Anne, the assistant. Anne, the assistant, um, I mentioned her in yesterday's show, and then it became a very hot button topic in the Facebook group. I believe, and listen, I, I, I asked my friend Kelly to listen to the podcast. She has a podcast now, and it's called We Signed an NDA with Nick Viles, old producer, I believe. I haven't listened to it. I know she did. And she sent me a voice message, but I haven't listened to it yet. So I will do that. I will do my solid and listen. But here's my thought. Okay. I looked up Anne, the assistant. Now, if you don't know who I'm talking about, Anne is Tom Sandoval's assistant who has to have this like weird go between between him and Ariana, right? They always have to talk. She has to talk to both of them. And I was mentioning on the show yesterday and I stand by this, that her energy as an assistant was very timid, was very nervous, was very uncomfortable. So upon going through it and realizing, oh, Anne is actually, her name is Mickey Anne, and she is not just an assistant, and maybe she was really his assistant, but she's also an actress, and she's been part of the UCB, uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade, which is like a very big, almost like an improv groundlings type of thing stand-up comedy. It's where 
Ariana did um, her. She Ariana appeared at UCB right after Scandival. I don't know if you guys remember that. It's sketch comedy. It's improv comedy. I swear I will hold. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I do believe that this assistant Anne was playing a character on the show. I truly feel strongly about it. Why? It felt like a shtick. The way she was so uncomfortable talking to Ariana when apparently she's known Ariana for 10 years or like years and years. I don't know how many. She was so uncomfortable between Tom and Ariana. Um, the fact that she prepped Tom's birthday party and blew up balloons that looked like a baby shower, like literally pastel balloons. Who would ever pick pastel color balloons for Tom Sandoval's birthday party? It like doesn't connect at all. And they made a joke about it. I just think that there is a portion of Anne that is like a, uh, it's like a produced situation. That's my thought. Um, but it was a hot button topic because a lot of people were very offended by the fact that, you know, I was saying that she comes off a little bit uncomfortable, but I stand by this. I don't think anyone can watch that episode of Vanderpump Rules, look at her as an assistant and say, wow, that is a, um, assertive, strong, knows what she needs, knows what she needs to do, taking control assistant. Uh, if you do believe that about her, then great. I've been an assistant many, many, many times. I've had many assistants, especially when I worked in casting. I know a lot of personal assistants and executive assistants. I don't believe the ones that succeed and are very good at their jobs are highly nervous about going about their daily duties. I said duty. I don't know. That's just my thought. And, um, and that's why I think it's fake. I just don't understand it. It's too weird that now she has this podcast. So I'm going to listen to it. Kelly, thank you for listening and helping me out. And um, I will, uh, I'll talk more about this, but want to just kind of uh, close the loop on that because I did get some comments saying that it was unkind the way we were talking about her, but I think she's in on it. A hundred percent. I think she's in on it and she's reveling in the fame that she's getting from the show. Okay. In fact, one of my friends who is an agent um, who I used to work with, she DM'd me last night saying she loves Anne and she wants to assign her. So Anne is okay. Everyone, I think Anne is going to be okay. Meanwhile, Tom Sandoval has a new girlfriend. We've all seen this, Victoria Robinson. She is some sort of like model, used to date Leonardo DiCaprio. She's now private on Instagram. And he and her were posting all about their trip. They, I guess they were in Vegas and they're all over each other and they have all this content. Um, it is incredibly awkward and cringy to watch. There's something about them that feels very almost um, PR. I don't know, maybe not. He said that she was his, he was addicted to her on Billy Lee's podcast. So I do believe that, you know, uh, he probably is a little bit addicted to her. I have a feeling just from the, um, you know, research I've been doing a lot in life and, and self-help books and stuff, I have a feeling there's certain personalities, personalities out there. And you guys tell me if you are or not. And if you watch any episode of The Bachelor or any episode of any reality show, usually this comes up at some point. There's usually those people that fall real hard, real fast in relationships. Like you meet someone and within 10 
you know, minutes, you're like envisioning the future with this person. Maybe you go out on one date and you're imagining introducing them to your parents. Like you fall hard and fast. And that's not like a love bombing situation. It's more just, I think some personalities, I think I am one of these people too, where it was always like a really fast fall. And I imagine Tom Sandoval seems like that too. Like he met Ariana and became obsessed, right? He met Raquel, became obsessed. And now with any other girl, like he's, he latches on. And we didn't even really talk about this yesterday because I had to cut the episode, but not cut it, cut it short. But he uh, was very in love with Raquel, according to all his interviews on Vanderpump back in July. I don't know when they were doing the confessionals, but basically when he was talking about these scenes, he was talking about how in love he was with Raquel, how much he was waiting for her to get out of treatment, to be with him, how he wasn't drinking because he was waiting for her to come back out. And like they had a very, very strong, I think, intense like obsession with each other. And that's why they did what they did. And that's why kind of all the morality goes out the window because they were almost like under a spell. And this is something that is common in these situations. And I am shocked, but also very impressed that Rachel Raquel did not stay with him because it would have been so easy to just stay with him after going through such hell. But I think either the treatment that she went to where she realized that like he wasn't the answer. And then also maybe her family and friends or whatever that got involved that said, look, he, this guy ruined your life. But I just find that part super interesting. Meanwhile, there's like, again, this James Kennedy uh, rumor that just doesn't go away. So there have been allegedly accounts for years that Kristen Doty uh, has alleged that James Kennedy has been physically abusive with her in the past. Then Raquel mentioned on her podcast that she broke off the engagement with James for reasons that would ruin him. It's There's more stuff that keeps kind of trickling out. And Hetty Mellencamp and Emily Simpson in their new podcast talked about this this morning. And we'll, we'll just jump over the fact that Teddy called her Kristen Duty. Doty? No, it's Doty. Duty. Duty is funny to me though. I said that twice now. So what Emily said, which was interesting, was like, it is weird that this rumor keeps coming out about one person. Like there has to be, it's this where there's smoke, there's fire moment and there has to be maybe some truth behind it. I don't know if that's true or not, but there may be some truth around it. So I'd have to, I'd have to check and, uh, I'd worry if I were James, honestly, I think my guess is that alcohol plays a huge part in his mistakes, which is why he constantly, you know, tries to sober up and hopefully he sticks with it this time because it sounds to me, you know, that his life is going pretty well. He's got a great girl, seems like a really nice, sweet girl. Um, I don't know all about her. And then they have their house and he's got his glasses and, you know the dog. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. 
Let's get into the Real Housewives recaps. But before we do, I want to mention the sponsor for this episode of Daily Dose of Donna. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash Donna and get on your way to being your best self. So I am a big therapy fan. We've talked about this over and over. I am now seeing a therapist once a week. Um, I adore the person that I see. And I feel like if you're not utilizing someone to talk to, just to vent out your problems, but also most importantly, not just someone to vent, but someone that can give you some actionable, like tangible advice. A lot of times we are so shy or so embarrassed to share our innermost feelings and thoughts and anxieties and insecurities with anyone else. But therapists by nature are taught not to judge people. And if they do judge you, you'll never know it. But also at the same time, I will say something. I think no matter what you tell a therapist, they've probably heard something else worse. That's my gut. The point is, it's really, really important to go and get help and speak to someone, whether or not you're trying to better your own relationship with yourself, which is the most important relationship you have, or with your kids, or with your husband, or your wife, or your friends, or a coworker, your you know, anything that you're doing, I think it's important to give better help a try. So it's totally online. It's totally convenient, flexible. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. Some people don't even choose to be seen by their therapist. They can just do phone calls if that's easier for you while you're driving to work or whatnot. So just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll get matched. And if you don't like the therapist that they match you with, you just go to someone else. So become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not, visit, visit BetterHelp dot com slash Donna. That's D-A-N-A today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Donna, D-A-N-A. Thanks, BetterHelp. All right, let's get into the housewives. You know I usually start with Miami and end with Beverly Hills. Today I'm going to start with Beverly Hills because I found them both to be equally eh. Is something wrong with us? Is something wrong with us that aren't finding these shows to be that exciting anymore? Are we just ruined after like the Scandal and Salt Lake City finale? Because I'm just not, I'm just not like that, that involved in these shows anymore and I'm struggling with it. So I have been really liking Beverly Hills because I am committed to finding like the inner workings of what's happening with Kyle Richards' marriage. I don't know why I am so obsessed but I am so obsessed with that storyline. I love Sutton. I love a Garcelle. I even love moments of Dorit and Crystal and a little Erica and definitely not Anna Marie, but whatever. But I want to watch Kyle in the marriage. That's what I am tuning in for. They are in Spain still. Remember, at the end of last last week's episode, we wrapped up the White Lotus Dinner. The White Lotus Dinner where Erica became a very smart uh, drunk woman. And we got introduced to Trevor. That is Sutton's White Lotus friend. For sure, he's on White Lotus. Like, it was the craziest thing. If you go back and just put the White Lotus music over that scene. We open up the show as a continuation of Sutton and um, Kyle crying over the ashes. And my girlfriend who's a therapist texts me and she goes, Sutton needs EMDR, I believe, because EMDR is that it's a kind of therapy where you almost like, um, 
it stands for eye movement desensitization, something rapid. I can't remember. But the point is, is that it's supposed to like almost trigger your brain to get out of the same neuro pathways. And Sutton is like really, really traumatized from the loss of her dad in such a horrible way. And then of course, the loss of her marriage that sounds like it got completely blindsided. She got completely blindsided by it. She said that she thought they were working on it. And then he sent her a letter saying like, or a a text or a message saying, you know, it's, you should get a lawyer. I'm filing. Um, horrible. And then of course the loss of her dancer friend, Merce, the only ashes she has, she doesn't have her dad's ashes. She has Merce's ashes, but releasing these ashes is very symbolic for Sutton because it means she's releasing all of this baggage. And I wish it was that easy. I wish I could release all the baggage of my life from releasing ashes, but you never know as long as she's going to betterhelp.com slash Donna, maybe she is slowly starting to release all of that horrible baggage. But I really like Sutton. You can't tell me different. Everyone is is sure that Sutton is going to get that one season, and I thought it was going to be this season. I really did. I thought Sutton was going to get a bad season. The beginning of this season at the at the Magic Mike show and with the drinking and the vodka and the orange or the grapefruit juice, I was like, uh oh, Sutton is getting no. Sutton doesn't have a bad season in her. I have not yet seen a bad Sutton season. Everyone else gets bad seasons. Um, they go to this drive, uh, this drive to this adorable little town where they finally, you know, release the ashes. And they end up having, um, you know, a pretty emotional, vulnerable conversation out there on the water where everyone has to release something. So everyone has their lays and Sutton releases the ashes. Ashes. She gets emotional and she releases Merce and Merce is no longer on the purse. Merce is now immersed on The Real Housewives. In fact, Merce is the next cast member of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Merce is no longer ever going to be in a bag, in a box with a fox in a, and, and, and eating some locks. He's always going to be amongst Garcelle and Kyle's bodies. The ashes never go where they're supposed to go. It is like, it is part of the job of an ash. If you are an ash, you are rebellious by nature and you will never go where you're being put. Okay. You'll always fly away somewhere else. So Merce danced his way through because he's like, I'm not getting rid of this party. I'm joining the housewives. I am joining my Beverly Hills ladies. He's like, I'm not going to OC. I don't want, I don't want any, uh, you know, Potomac OC, not even Salt Lake City. He's like, I'm going straight back to Beverly Hills, nine to and oh, baby. Problem is he went on to Garcelle who lives out in like Santa Clarita and Kyle, who's in Encino. So like the only one that's left in Beverly Hills really is Crystal. So uh, he's going to have to work on that. Merce needs to, you know, fly from a couple different ashes. Everyone releases something else. Garcelle releases the need, um, you know, the need to be alone or being alone. She wants to find someone. It's clear. Uh, Dorit releases the PTSD for PK. I mean, Dorit's accent pops up so strong in certain times. It's crazy. Erica decides to release, um, you know, all of the badness, the bad feelings from last year and then did not leave it out that she believes that it's because of these women. <laughs> Most of it is because of these women. I don't know. This is, this kills me, you guys. Erica just, she's doing better this season, but she really lacks self-awareness. 
in so many ways. And the way she acted last season and the season before about this is just so bananas off that the fact that she's now, um, you know, victimizing herself and putting it on the other women, it's, it's kind of annoying to me. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I, I don't, I don't personally like it. Um, Crystal released her freaking brother and the relationship with her brother. What is happening with this brother relationship? Who at Bravo, and I like Crystal, remember, I really like her, but who has at Bravo said that this is it? We got to go after Crystal's brother in every episode. Every episode about Crystal needs to be about her brother. Not one person I know, probably Crystal and her brother included, want to watch Crystal's brother's storyline. Like, no one is interested here. Not one person. Um, and then Kyle, of course, got up and released the guilt of whether or not she did something wrong or could have done something different when it came to her friend Lorraine. She then mentions in an interview or uh, like a, you know, yeah, an interview, she talks about the fact that she can't really share with the women at this moment what's going on with her and the heaviness of her marriage. But when she's ready, she will. But this is what kills me about Kyle because everyone always has to be open and sharing everything. But Kyle's the only one that's allowed to keep it all in. Ah, Kyle. Let's see. Um, I don't even remember when Anna Marie released. That's how much I care about her. I don't even remember what she released. Um, the rest of the episode, and just like my friend texted me last night, wow, these women make Spain look so boring. When I tell you it was one of the most boring episodes of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills I think I've ever seen in Spain, what? They get ready for this flamenco dinner. They go to this dark restaurant and then they get up on stage and awkwardly dance flamenco. Nothing, nothing was interesting about this episode. Nothing. Spain was a big, I loved the White Lotus dinner and I loved Merce in a Purse and the ashes part, but everything else was pretty boring. They ended up coming back to LA and that is where Kyle has a conversation with Dorit. And this is why I'm watching the show. I'm literally watching the show for conversations like this. Like, just give me something every week, right? Kyle and Dorit decide to be athletic. So they're all wearing, they're both wearing their baseball caps. It's a baseball cap day in Encino. And did you notice that at the beginning of the, the little like clip when Dorit comes to her house, Kyle's like frantically opening boxes of aloe yoga sh- gear? This woman, I'm convinced, spends so much money on clothes and and stuff. I mean, we see the shopping addiction. It's the only thing that makes her happy. It's crazy. It's filling some void. I can tell you that. And um, so Kyle opens, you know, Kyle's going through her workout gear. Dorit comes over and they start talking about, um, you know, the marriage. And Kyle's eyebrows also looked really intense. It's, it's almost like she just got them dyed. They were very dark in the scene. It was a little distracting. She was also wearing a baseball hat that was very, like it was a shout out to Tom Sandoval. There was lightning bolts. Of all things, this was, this was shot a few, like a few months after Scandoval. Maybe, maybe release the Scandoval obsession. Um, she's talking about her marriage. And basically what she's trying to kind of insinuate is that Mauricio has stopped 
wanting to give the marriage attention and the struggles in the marriage attention. And he cares more about his business than he does the marriage. Do I believe this? Possibly. But here's my thinking. When someone in a marriage checks out, but doesn't want to admit that they are checked out, i.e. maybe in love with someone else, i.e. maybe Kylan Morgan, it's very easy to justify your bad behavior to yourself or your behavior to yourself by talking about why your marriage isn't doing it and why your partner is not doing it for you. And so while Kyle's not coming out straight up at this point saying, I have feelings for someone else, she's almost justifying and setting it up. She's almost setting it up for the fact that this marriage is going to fall apart because Mauricio may be very, very busy and clearly he runs a huge, huge empire of a real estate company. But I can't imagine Mauricio's working any harder now than he used to work when they were just building 20 years ago. In fact, I guarantee you he was working harder then because that was when he didn't have a million other people under him and he had to like actually do all the open houses and he had to actually start the business from the ground up and work his butt off because if not, they weren't making enough money. This is pre-housewives, right? Their kids are older. No one is like, you know, having to watch over young kids at home while husband's working. Kyle has her very much her own life. Their schedules are all over the place because they both choose to live very independent, like crazy lifestyles. This to me feels like an excuse that Kyle is like, you know, Mauricio just stopped caring to work on our marriage. I think, you know, she also mentioned that Mauricio and her never fight. That Mauricio, if it was up to Mauricio, they would always just sweep things under the rug, which I'm really surprised by. Horrible, horrible to be in a marriage that you never fight. And I know that that sounds crazy. I don't mean fight, drag out fight, but if you're never having arguments with your husband or your wife, or they're always sweeping stuff under the rug, I would say that's a probably a really unhealthy way to live because it's only natural that you're going to build up resentments and struggles within yourself. And if you're not sharing them and working on them, like, where does that go? It just like goes inside or maybe it makes you go and find someone else. I don't know. I don't know. So the point is that to me, we're setting the scenes. Kyle is a producer. Okay. She's producing the buildup of the announcement of the separation. She knows that this is happening. She's aware of it before the scene or before the time in real life where they actually do separate. She knows it's coming. And she's building it. She's setting the tone. She's setting the scene. Now, in a shocking turn of events, Portia's name, Portia Umansky's name was mentioned multiple times in the episode. When we talked to Alexa, Alexia and Sophia in the car, when she was FaceTiming with them, and she's like, where's Portia? Is Portia eating dinner? Your daughter's 15. You're not talking to her. Where's Portia, she says. Is Portia eating dinner at night? What is happening there? Um, maybe, I mean, I don't have a 15 year old, so maybe when they're 15, it'll be different, but I still feel like when you're not even driving, you should kind of have like a communication with your kid when you're in, you know, Spain. I don't know. I'm not supposed to judge. I'm just sharing, but of course I kind of have some opinions. Um, anyway, that's what I thought about Beverly Hills. So let's move on to Miami. Miami was, um, 
Miami was good. It was good. And it was, I thought it was a better episode than last week, but it's still really a struggle for me. It's so highly dramatic. Does anyone else feel this about Miami? Everyone's reactions, everyone's personalities, of course, except Larsa, who literally is like a wall. Um, Everyone's so dramatic and big and it's tiring to watch. It's like exhausting to watch. So they start the episode where they're in this, you know, this boat ride from hell. The same one that they were in last week where we cut the show right when they went to the island of the dolls, where it was this island where all these dead looking dolls, baby dolls were hanging from trees and all these limbs. Why? Why are we doing this? Your housewives, why are we spending a day in such a disgustingly creepy experience? Now, I understand a lot of you guys are going to say culture and, um, you know, magic and like this is like a moment, a tourist spot. Well, there's a lot of tourist spots that I personally wouldn't want to go to, that being one. Now, a few of them had to pee, Marisol, Larsa, Lisa, I think they had to pee. So they kind of do a little bit of like walking around and they decided how disgusting and how creepy and bad energy and they wanted to get back on the boat. But meanwhile, on the boat, we had another huge dilemma because Julia, and we talked about this last week, Julia had a son who died by shaken baby syndrome years and years ago by her nanny. Awful, awful story. This is triggering for Julia, understandably, okay? She's like, I don't want to look, but, and then she looks and she just starts panicking. But here's the thing. It's not like she's like, oh my God, I can't look. I can't look. (laughs) If you're watching the YouTube, I'm like hands flailing. And Alexia cannot ever just be a supportive friend because she has, it's always about Alexia. Oh my God, we have to move the boat. We have to move the boat. Come on, let's move, move, move. You got, she's panicking. I mean, there's so much panicking going on. Meanwhile, Gertie is starting to feel kind of sick and nauseous. So we have a nauseous, sick person. We have Julia hysterical. We have everyone else coming back on the boat. What, what, what happened? Now all of a sudden they start, you know, the boating going away. I'm sure that guy that's riding the boat is like, what is happening? And then they go to the other side and all of a sudden, Gertie's about to throw up. Everyone is freaking out. And then the mariachi bands come on up. Why are the mariachi bands? And I love a mariachi band. But why is it that when you go to a restaurant and there's a mariachi band, they always start right at the most inopportune time. It's like a man is about to propose to his his girlfriend. Ever since I met you, I just... I love you so much. And I always knew that you were the one. So Becky, will you? I mean, it's like, check. Get the, okay. Read the room. Anyway, so they, uh, the mariachi band came on in there. Gertie's getting sicker and sicker. And sure enough, Gertie starts getting super sick, starts vomiting all over the place. I don't need to see that. Just like I didn't need to see Heather Gay vomiting everywhere. At least with Gertie, I know it wasn't from excessive alcohol. But so I have a little bit more sympathy. Um, And at least we didn't see what looked like pee coming out. But they get on shore and no one knows how to handle the fact that she's sick. I mean, Alexia is running like a chicken with her head cut off. Oh, we have to get water, salt, water, sugar. Marisol, who is in her own freaking world, is like, there's a milkshake over there. Would a, should I get a milkshake for her? Is there a, does anyone want a milkshake? I want to ask you something. 
in what world are you throwing up and say, hmm, yes, I'll take a milkshake. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Vicky. Like it's awful. <laughs> awful. She's actually really sick. So they end up and thank goodness for Nicole. And we'll talk about the difference between Nicole and Anna Marie, right? As nurses. But the the police come, the ambulance comes, and Nicole goes with Gertie to the hospital where she gets an IV. Nicole is who I want with me in scary times. Nicole is calm. She is in control. She is kind. She is helpful. She doesn't say, hey, Gertie, I hope you don't stroke out when you stand up. She does. She has bedside manner. Nicole is my girl. Nicole and Gertie together, mwah, a double mwah. But Gertie quickly comes back to life. And then the next night, day, they're getting ready and they're going to this pride, huge pride parade where Adriana is performing hot, 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 fire. I'm feeling hot, hot. <laughs> what song was that? Um, da na na, hot, hot, hot. You're faded, bum, bum. <laughs> Now I have, you're feeling lumpy, feeling. <laughs> you're feeling lumpy, feeling hot, hot, hot. You guys, this reminds me the other night we were doing blind karaoke in my house, Lance, me, and the boys. And basically, what you do, this is a really fun thing that you can do with your kids it, or with your husband, wife, whatever, or friends you sit on a couch or on a chair so that your back is to your TV. And the person who's picking gets to pick a song. You go to YouTube and you go to karaoke songs and with lyrics, but you don't tell them what song it is, but you pick a song that you think they'll kind of know. And then you just put the song on and the person has to hear and then just like try to know the words. And honestly, you can have every word in your mind, but then when you're stuck having to sing it without looking at the words, every word sounds wrong. It's so funny. We were dying of laughter. Um, so try that. Anyway, so they go to this uh, parade. They end up having a really fun time. It looks like they're all dancing. Adriana is performing. I mean, listen, Adriana is a little annoying to me, but she has like killed it with that little music career of hers. And I like it. I like her music. I love that fire song. Like, I was, I'm actually into it. If I was at that parade, I would be dancing my butt off. And Julia was, I saw that Julia was dancing, kissing. I mean, everything. Let's see what else they end up going back and Mary Saul ends up getting super sick. What's in the air? Um, she gets sick and she's vomiting. So she's not there, but everyone's meeting at Alexia's hotel to have drinks before they end up going to a club. And this is <clears throat> where the Kiki and the Lisa fight from the day before on the boat about the dogs comes back up. I rewatched last week's episode, that scene, after I did my show last week because so many of you guys were like, no, you have to rewatch because it was clearly a nod to um, her culture and it was very offensive the way that um, – the way that Lisa fed the dogs and what she said about it. So I rewatched it because I had kind of missed, I think, a little bit of that. And I totally see what you guys are saying now. Kiki was explaining that this is the way she was raised and this triggered her. And so here we are, we're back at drinks and everyone's in a good mood. Everyone's trying to enjoy themselves. And Lisa decides that she and, <clears throat> excuse me, Kiki are going to now get along and they're going to be fine. But she mentioned something to Kiki when they're getting drinks where she's like, don't throw a drink at me. I do think that Lisa didn't mean to start a fight in that comment, but it's clearly a sensitive subject for Kiki. 
And sometimes you can do that. Like after you have a dust up with someone, you can kind of like nod to it the next day and it works. And sometimes it doesn't. And so I don't think Lisa tried to start a fight there, but it didn't land. Her joke didn't land. And Kiki got really upset and was telling Larsa, you know, Lisa's outside and Kiki was telling Larsa that, you know, she thinks that Lisa is entitled and spoiled and all these things, which I hate to say is true. We all know Lisa Hochstein is all of those things. Um, and, but Lisa Hochstein also really struggles to understand that about herself. She's not someone to say, you're right, I am spoiled. And you're right, I probably am untitled. She's very easily offended by everything. And so Julia comes out there and kind of stirs the pot by sharing with every with Lisa and everyone else what Kiki just said. And sure enough, they end up kind of getting into it. Um, because Lisa is not having fun at the club. She's in a really bad place. They come back to the room and Kiki opens up in a very, very emotional and vulnerable way about the way she was raised and about her experiences and how she didn't like the fact that just because these people have small homes and not a lot of money that they don't take care of their dogs and she talked about the fact that no one knows anything about Kiki's life, that she has a son. No one knows anything. They don't even know his name. And I mean, I'm interested in that. Like, I want to know more about Kiki because as an audience, I don't remember ever learning anything personal about Kiki. Do you guys know a lot? I mean, unless you follow her on social, would you know as an audience member? But these are her cast members. They're on vacations with her. They should know her life. And clearly they're not interested or, or at least Lisa is not asking many questions to Kiki. And so this may have been a bigger issue more than just, you know, the comment about the dogs. Here's where Lisa went wrong. And I think we can all at this point in life do some sort of a term paper, an essay on how to handle making mistakes. After Taylor from uh, Southern Charm, after Raquel from Vanderpump Rules, all these shows, right? Tom Sandoval, we all make mistakes. Here's the best way to recover from making a mistake. Number one, acknowledge. Acknowledge. I'm not taking, I didn't write notes, but this is just pretty basic from what I've learned. Acknowledge when someone else is struggling or, or upset about something. Recognize it validate it. Validate the fact that that person is hurt. Then apologize. Apologize for hurting them and explain how you will do better or change or not do this again. Give some sort of like a path, okay? If you do have your own feelings that are negative or that refute or whatever, that is fine. But maybe don't say them exactly in that moment. First, like Kiki's experience should be Kiki's experience. And Lisa can have her own feelings as well. But that's why, like, for example, the Dorit and Garcelle thing that happened in Beverly Hills, that's why that conversation went so well, is Dorit let Garcelle share her experiences for a couple episodes now. And then Dorit said, now that I know, can I also explain to you something else? Like after Dorit apologized multiple times and clearly made it show that she didn't had no intentional harm and whatever, the problem is Lisa doesn't let it sit in that moment yet. She's like, I'm just not going to say anything because I know that I'm going to get in trouble. Basically, again, victim. But how am I supposed to fix your childhood trauma? 
oh, Lisa, which then totally enrages Kiki. And they two, the two of them get in a huge fight. And that's how the episode ends. Uh, team Kiki all the way on this one. Lisa is having a bad ass season. And when I mean bad ass, I don't mean good. It's like badass, but actually bad season. Don't you guys think? Anyway, for those of you that uh, listened to my Patreon last night, I appreciate all your love over there. I had a fun episode talking about Martha Stewart and a bunch of other personal things on top of, you know, more Vanderpump, et cetera, et cetera. Join over on Patreon. Join the Facebook group. Make sure to subscribe in case you have been unsubscribed or follow the podcast and hook a sister up with some good reviews so I can read them on the show and... uh We need to lift up my reviews after getting a huge wave of negativity last week. So let's do that. I appreciate you guys as always. Have an amazing rest of your day. Bye.